This is a No Good People production. Welcome back, good people, to another episode of the No Good People podcast, where no topic is ever off limits, and I have the best seat in the house. It's your girl, Vera, and today I have the pleasure of hosting my guest, Sheena Drummond, family therapy and licensed doula, a family therapist and licensed doula, sharing the importance of caring for those who are postpartum and why she chose to become a birthwork specialist. Hey, Sheena, and welcome to the No Good People family. Hey, Vera. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. And so before we get into your life as a doula, tell me about you. Where are you from? Where did you grow up and go to school? And what did you study in college and why that major? Okay, so I'm originally from San Diego, California. Spent many years there um, in my younger years. Actually lived in Ohio for a few years with my dad too. So a little country city, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I ended up back in California in 29 Palms. Finished high school there. And I actually went to Cal State San Bernardino for undergrad. And that's where I studied psychology because I wanted to like, I felt like, oh, I want to know how the mind works. I, you know, I didn't know what I really wanted to know. I just knew psychology just felt like it felt right. Mm-hmm. So I go by, and I do a lot of things by feeling and I was like, this feel right. This is what I'm going to do. So I studied psychology and human development. I actually double majored because I just couldn't decide. And I typically do that a lot. So just like now, how I'm a therapist and a doula and all these things, it was the same way even in undergrad. Like I just couldn't decide. <laughs> when I finished my studies in undergrad, I moved to Houston mm-hmm. and started school online with North Central University, which is where I completed my master's in marriage and family therapy. But I really only got to that because after doing psychology, I noticed most jobs kept thinking that I wanted to sell something. They're like, oh, you can, you know, you can persuade people. And I was like, I don't want to persuade anything. I just want to help. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I want to help someone, not persuade someone, because I hate when people do that to me. So it just got to a point where I realized, you know what I want to do? I want to do and be what I never had. Like somebody who's there to help, to assist, to work through things with you that are stressful, uh, you know, to empower you, Mm -hmm. take care of yourself. And that's what I found through my studies in marriage and family therapy. So I've just continued on since then. Like right now, I'm trying to finish up my PhD in that same area. Wow. And so how long have you been a family and marriage therapist? Um, (laughs) I've completed my master's in 2015 and been rocking ever since. Wow. I didn't realize it's been that long already. Yeah, it took a little bit. You know, you have to take licensing exams and such. And I had to deal with like Hurricane Harvey and all these different things going on out here. But somehow I studied and I passed that bad boy. Not the first time, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, And that's okay. A lot of people don't. Right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, so why Houston? Oh, yeah. Um, I have an older sister who I love very much, um, but she lived out here because she married a man who was from he wasn't from Houston, but he was from near here. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling myself when I graduated undergrad, all right, I have this many months to get a job. And if I don't get one to where I don't have to live in a box, then I'm leaving. I'm going to go to Houston where my sister is. And that would be great for me because I love her. And I didn't get a job, so I moved to Houston. Okay. (laughs) And I got a job working in a residential treatment center for boys, Mm -hmm. which only stressed even more so my my want to do marriage and family therapy. 
what was about that made that stress that for you or that kind of narrowed it down for you? You know, working in a place like that, they their families are not there. Um, some of them were taken from their families. Some of their families were um, heavy substance users, mm-hmm. and so they could not be with them. Um, some of them really did just give them up. It, it was a very rough life, and they never seemed to have anybody to listen to them. I would engage in group circles or circles of support where we would try to reunify them with family or we would try to engage them in conversations about the future and just watching how tough that was for them with them being there by themselves, like no family member. I'm like, you really need the family or at least a parent or a sibling. You need someone there with you and not just you because it's it's not just that one individual that's the problem. It's usually an environment, you know? Mm-hmm. And that requires more than one, you know, just one person coming to therapy is great. But if I'm helping you and doing all of those things and you go back into the exact same thing where everybody else is acting the exact same way, that doesn't help all the time. Right, right. So were you doing private therapy or was it, um, I mean, after you finished with the boys, um, was it a home or some... It was a residential treatment center. Residential so they treatment center. There. Okay. Yeah. So they lived there, you know, went to school from there, took meds there. I, I told you I'm a woman of many things. I even passed out medication. Like it was, it was a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, from there, I actually worked in a mental health court for probationers. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I got to work there. That's while I finished up my master's and then began studying for the licensing exam. So I was a, I was actually a PO for a bit, but only for a mental health court. So each of my clients had uh, typically had a co-occurring diagnosis where mm-hmm. there was abuse and mental illness. Again, I just drove home the point, like I need to be a clinician, like <laughs> keep going. Right, keep working. right. What was most challenging about that experience for you? Uh, the court? Yeah. Or being a PO, you know, working with that population. The most challenging thing was, I mean, the closer I got to finishing and when I finished that degree, like I kept wanting to be clinical with them. I wanted to help them, um, you know, and a lot of times my visits were more, were so therapeutic versus just like, you know, the the social, the stereotypical PO who's yelling at you to, you know, give a P test or whatever. It was always like, what's going on? Why don't you have your medication? Let's talk about this. Tell me more. You know, it had to have a feel good to it. And then I didn't like it because when you're when you're that good, you know, when you're that like when you feel what they feel and you're trying to help them, it's hard to watch somebody when they quote unquote mess up and then you have to watch them get jailed and you're just mm-hmm. standing there like, and they're, you're just like, wow, I can't. What can I do for you? <laughs> What am I really doing for you here? Yeah, I'm nice while you're out, but as soon as something happens, it's no longer in my hands, you know? Right, right. And so that was tough. It sounds like, it also sounds like it could be, it could really weigh on you a lot. Like, you know, you'd never really leave it at the door. Yeah, because how can you? They're in the Mm -hmm. community. Sometimes they'd see me in the store and, you know, I'm very big on privacy. I'm like, you don't have to tell nobody who I am. I'll walk like I don't know you, you know, Mm because not everybody wants people to know, but no, they would be like, officer my name and I'll be like who is that and then I'm like oh you oh you want to say hi and then they're like yeah that's my PO you know she helped me and I'm like wow that's how you feel and I just 
I just knew then, like, even more so, like, yo, this is what your calling was. This is my calling. I got to (laughs) go. So you you started there and then somehow somewhere you decided you wanted to be a licensed doula. So how did you incorporate being a doula or becoming a doula into your family and marriage therapy? So, okay, I was working at a school by then, (laughs) school counselor. And uh, during that time, someone else that I know, matter of fact, she's a prior guest on your show, (laughs) but she she became a doula and was talking about it and posting about it. And I was like, what is a doula? (laughs) And the more I read, the more I researched, it just set me into this tailspin of like, oh, I've been doing this with my friends and family. I've been there when people are having babies. I've already been kind of doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it It felt like it would extend my reach as a therapist. Like it would give me more insight into what others are going through. Like, sure, I've had a baby, but everybody's experience is so different. Um, and I, I wanted to help, especially after my own, you know, experiences during birth and postpartum. And I thought, well, now that I know what a doula is, thanks to this, online friend of mine let me go figure it out and I trained which was so unlike me because I'm an introvert but I went in person like I I went all in what do they say balls to the wall as they say mm-hmm, I went mm-hmm. all the way in and I'm so glad that I did it because it also helped me narrow down what I want to do with family therapy which is which is focus on perinatal mental health and postpartum depression and things of that nature wow so you know, talk a little bit about the, I guess, the process, right? Like, so if someone's interested in becoming a doula, what is the process? One, I'd say research, research, research. Mm-hmm. Read all about, like, search all those hashtag doula, you know, hashtag black doula, hashtag what, what is a doula? Like, search everything you can read and find a, find a training source that's comfortable for you, that meets your needs. You know, don't worry about what other people say. Find what works for you. And then you're because you're going to make it your own anyway when you begin to practice. You know, you honestly don't even need a certification to be a doula. However, I I fully believe in people needing some sort of training. And if it's your call, you'll be willing to do it. Like get get some hands on training, get to talking to people, learn and understand your craft, because these are very pivotal points in birthing person's lives, like the whole family, really. Uh, but specifically the birthing person. These are pivotal points. But if you want to become a doula, research, get comfortable with who you are and make sure that it's that it's in you. Like, don't do it because you want to be a hype beast. Like, really think not just because it's popular. Think, do I really want this? Right. Am I am I built to be in there when somebody's crying and they don't want, you know, they don't want, you know, I don't know. They don't want an episiotomy, but they don't know how to say no and they're scared out of their minds and they're in that hospital bed and they're stuck on their back, but they're like, but I wanted to squat the baby. You know, there's so much that goes on at that time. Just know, like, are you good for that? Is that something you really want to do? Or do you mm-hmm. want to do this? You know, <laughs> know mm-hmm. that. Um, but once you find a company, be prepared to read, <laughs> you know, once you find someone to train you, be prepared to do lots of reading, reading about trauma, reading about diversity, and make sure that, you know, you don't bring any of your personal judgments into that. Like, you know, people are jumping into birth work and they're not ready. Mm. You know, they're not ready for the conversation of, well, why do you say birthing person, Sheena? Well, because everybody might not consider themselves a woman and that's okay with me. 
you know, is it okay with you? If not, you need to really think about what you're doing when you're Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you want to help, you know, do you want to help people at a vulnerable time like this? It starts Mm -hmm. with self. The training is great and it varies depending on who you go with, if if I'm being really honest. But it really Mm -hmm. starts with self. If you're if you're ready for it, you'll know and you'll do it. It, But it's got to be a calling. Otherwise, you don't need to do it. Got it. You know, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, you as well as, you know, my former guest, um, Milan. Yes. Because I, um, you know, doulas was not something that was highly spoken of when I was pregnant, right? 20 years ago. But what was important to me was to have a specialist or birthing specialist or, you know, OBGYN who was a woman of color, because I thought that she had a, she would have a better understanding of my experience and what I was going through and also having um, a better ear when I was talking to her, right? So she actually listening to what I was saying, not just giving me some answers because that's what every other woman was used to getting or comfortable hearing. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about like the network of doulas and, and in particular, a network of black doulas? You know, I happen to attend like a birth worker meetup held out here so that I could build a network of other doulas because mm-hmm. it's hard. you can't, nobody's doing this all alone. You know, I may mm-hmm. have my own business. I may have my own clientele, but we're not doing this alone. People share recipes, share how to belly wrap, find, you know, all sorts of things. But here in Houston, I joined the Woman's Earth and they also have a part of the Woman's Earth, which is called Holy Mama Doulas. And I went to a meetup where I met a room full of women. Some were doulas, some were midwives, some were RNs, just everybody was somehow in the work. I think almost all, except maybe one or maybe all were women of color, black and women of color. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I needed that because I was just out here like, I don't know what to do. I mean, not done got this training, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, it takes a village. There's unity and community, you know, and I, I can't stress that enough. So building that network out here has been great to me because if I can't take on someone who's looking for a doula, I love being able to say, hey, let me shoot you the information for someone I know who's amazing as well. And maybe they have an opening or, you know, we ask each other for tips and tricks or to be backups. Cause sometimes what if you get sick? You can't go to no birth sick, especially right. now in the, in the days of COVID, especially nobody. Right, of course. There. So, you know, you have to have a strong backup, someone you can trust, someone that you know does good work because mm-hmm. you, you can speak for them. So how do you find your mothers and families? Oh yeah. Um, word of mouth has been very helpful. Um, I just started posting and I use hashtags that I saw other doulas using Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm like, okay, if somebody's saying you should hire a doula, one of the first things a lot of people do if they're on social media, they'll go follow the hashtag doula and see who pops up. Um, And I'll I'll put Houston doula, you know, I'll add my city or my state, my area. And I'll put virtual sometimes because I do offer virtual services. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, when COVID popped off, Some people weren't allowed to have their, you know, and I hate saying aloud when it comes to your birth, but technically, you know, but anyways, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) they they weren't allowed to bring a support person in. They were barely able to get, you know, their significant other in the room. So Mm -hmm. let alone doula, they're like, doula what? You have a nurse. You know, they weren't trying to hear us. So yeah, I did virtual support. My first client was actually, my first official client 
was actually a family member and it was virtual because they were out of state, but they could not find the support that they needed. Imagine that wanting support, being able mm-hmm. to take having it. So, wow, that's really interesting. I think I straight off from your question. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Please don't worry about it. So you, you were just talking about how you find your mothers and families. Yeah. So I do that. And then from there, I'll post stuff when, when clients give me good feedback, they'll text me and I'll may say, Hey, do you mind if I share this? This is really neat. I didn't think you, you know, I didn't know what you'd say. And when they say yes, I post it and let other people see what people feel. I just try to show, I try to show people what I do and I use my Instagram for it. No website, just an Instagram and a Facebook business page and mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good. That's great. So I'm going to ask you how many babies to date? How many babies to date? Okay, let me think. Eight. That's incredible. I mean, I just think there's something so rewarding and so special about, you know, being that person in support of families and support of mothers. And, you know, and, and I just think it's just really incredibly special and beautiful. It is. Sometimes I find myself getting really emotional, especially once the baby has been born and they're sat up there on, you know, on their parents' chest. I just look and I'm like, wow. I think one of the one of the best things that happens is when they look over and they're like, I have a baby. And they're just looking <laughs> at sleep. And I'm like, you do. Yes. <laughs> That's you great, do. Sheena. I love it. How does a family make the choice to use a doula and or select the right person person for their birthing needs? Interview them, you know, talk to them. Everybody should have the chance at a console and all the doulas I know around here, our, our consults are free, mine are free. I don't know anyone who charges and just ask anything you want to ask and know that does your energy feel right with them? Do you feel confident? Do you feel safe when they're talking to you? Do you feel as though you can ask them anything. Because remember, if you hire this person, they're going to be in there when you're squatting, mm-hmm. your buns are out, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. no more. At your most vulnerable. Yeah, at your most vulnerable. So, you know, make sure it's someone that you feel fits your needs. And, and, and Go ahead, please. Finish your thought. And, and question them. Please, if you're interviewing somebody to be with you at such a vulnerable time, don't feel like anything's too much. Ask the questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make statements, share the feedback. But do you yeah. find that people aren't really clear about what it is that the doula can do? And do you find like you're also dispelling a lot of myths about doulas? Sometimes, yes, because I've had quite a few people actually, and that's what made me realize I had to start explaining it, is that they'll be like, oh, okay, so if I hire you, I'm good. We'll birth the baby at home. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> uh, I am not a midwife, sweetheart. <laughs> I am a doula and I stay in my doula lane. (laughs) You know, I have to remind people that doulas don't birth babies. We don't catch babies. We help you and support you while you're having the baby. You talking hip squeezes, shoulder rubs, positive affirmations, empowerment, helping your partner support you better, helping you, reminding you of your birth plan when you when times get stressful, because that's what you've asked us to do. Just things like that is what your doula is going to do. We're going to get you out on that, you know, on that stability ball. We're going to rock some hips. We're going to do all of that. But we're not there to catch the baby. We don't do anything medical. We're not checking cervixes or anything like that. That's like a midwife or your OB, depending on, you know, what type of provider you chose. And see, and I think that's a really good point that you make, because I am certain that people 
will have will be confused and have some misunderstanding about the difference of a midwife versus a doula. Because I know initially before you and um, Milan became doulas, I did not understand that there was there was a difference. Yeah. So can you chat? Can you chat a little bit about like what one will do versus the other? Midwives, they come with like supplies. They actually went to school for this. They went to school specifically to learn about helping you have babies. And they learn it actually in like a, maybe it depends on your studies. I'm not a midwife, so I don't want to speak too much on there. Okay, no worries. But I, but I will definitely give you uh, one of my favorite midwives Instagrams for you to go follow. Okay. Um, because they they do a lot, They're but they're medically trained, whereas doulas are not. That is the biggest difference. Okay. You know, I'm going to come squeeze your hips, give you positive affirmations. I might have some lavender essential oil. Did you want a candle, some music? You know, I'm going to make sure everything you need is there and help you help empower you to advocate for yourself. Okay. And the midwife is going to handle all of the technical stuff, all of the nitty gritty when it comes down to you having that baby. Okay. So you could be in the home as well as in the hospital. Yeah, I've done both. Okay. And virtual you've done. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure we note that. Oh, yeah. So when people or when families are choosing their birth plan, right, do they do they do a contract with you or is it, you know, how do they, yeah, how do they, how do you, or how are you funded? How do they, you know, go through that process? Oh, yeah. So typically what happens is someone will give me a call or they'll reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook both on business pages, and they'll ask me to schedule a consult. We'll meet and we'll talk. Usually consults are about 30 to 40 minutes, just depends on the person, um, the questions that they have. Mm -hmm. And um, I show them the packages that I have available. Like I have a really pretty, you know, PDF where I say, this is what I offer. Um, I offer customization. Like, you know, there are things in the package that maybe somebody doesn't want. Or they see something in another package that they want to add to the one that they've chosen. And okay. all of that's all of that's fine with me. So once they pick a package, we talk about what the deposit looked like, when we'll get started working, when they're due. Um, and I put them in a calendar because I I do so much and I try my best to make sure that I'm the one who's at their birth assisting them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not a backup. So I don't take on a whole bunch of folks. Like I'm not going to be putting six and seven births in a month. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Got it. I may, have, I may have two in a month. So, you know, if I already have two in let's say the month of December, then I won't be adding any more because okay. I make sure that I give, um, give my full attention to those. And so leading up to the birth, you are checking with it in with them once a week or several times a week. For some reason, I get people who like to hire me on really, really early <laughs> in their birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so typically we meet up, uh, no less than at least three times where we, they get to know me and I, then, um, we develop sense of touch, like, Hey, this is something that I might do. Are you comfortable with that? Is this something that you're looking for? I may show them different things that I bring little massage balls or let them smell different oils that I have available that I could bring to a birth because they're calming or, you know, bring clarity you know, and I let them know how I come in there. I bring birth balls and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Could you repeat the question again? Sure. I wanted to know like how frequently you're meeting with them. You know, is it once a month? Is it once a week up until the time of the birth? 
you said, and you were mentioning that some of your clients do like to meet, like happen to hire you much earlier. Yeah. So when they hire me that early, it's usually maybe once a month Mm -hmm. Uh, that helps them out. And then the closer we get to the birth, we're usually texting or emailing more. Some people prefer uh, email, but I love the clients who love to text me because it's so much quicker for me to be able to respond. But we'll text all the time. Like from the moment you hire me and say that this is what you want to do, like we're down. You've got my cell phone number. We're texting, we're emailing, we're calling, FaceTiming. I can give you all sorts of time that way. But face-to-face is typically once a month or at least a minimum of three times. And then, you know, once I teach them how to like know when to call, call me and I give them, I could have a little pretty little handout that I give them that lets them know. So it really just, it really seems like you're developing a very close relationship with them, um, you know, throughout the process, not only only that they're comfortable with you, but that you're comfortable with them. Um, But it also seems like, you know, you're very much of an advocate. Um, So if they do have questions or maybe they're not certain what to ask their um, their OBGYN, maybe you're assisting them with that as well. Is that accurate? Would that be fair statement? Yeah, definitely. I've had tons. They'll be like, what questions should I ask my doctor or what questions should I do? Or how do I find a a midwife? You know, I love Mm -hmm. helping. I love helping with stuff like that. Or how do I learn, you know, how do I get comfortable with telling them no? Like one of the biggest things, like, for example, is, you know, a lot of the clients that I've worked with, they're like, I don't want them, you know, checking my cervix all the time. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. I know it. I don't want that. And so we talk about, you know, that's your body. You give them the yes or the no for it. You can tell them that they can't check it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why it's so important that I build that relationship that I do with them so that they feel safe with me. Do you feel like you are using all of your skills and um, talents as a family and marriage, marriage therapist while you're practicing or, you know, while you're in that role as a doula? Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> all the time. You know, sometimes it'll be, you know, you're pregnant, hormonal, <laughs> your mm-hmm. partner's not, you feel like your partner's not listening. Or sometimes it could be a positive thing. You know, hey, what are some more things we can do to connect? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I always come up with something and talk to them about that. Um, or I've referred them since we already have a relationship as, you know, doula and client. I'll refer them to therapists that I'm aware of in the area or things like that. But my my skill set as a marriage and family therapist is always at play. It's always there's other children around, you know, is there is your partner comfortable? Because I know I've speaking a lot of working with the birthing person, but quite honestly, their partner is just as important. And typically always in the meetings with us. It's usually not just them alone because I'm like, oh no, you need to know too. You need to be aware and learn so that you're just as informed as I am because should this person not be able to make a decision, I need you of sound mind and body to have that information as well and be ready to go. And how are the partners, are they equally as receptive or do you have to do more coaxing with them? You know, it all depends. Some are really eager to learn and it's always so sweet to see them. Like if I'm teaching them how to squeeze their hips, they're like, I don't want to hurt them. Or I don't, I'm like, you are not going to hurt them. It's going to feel really good. I promise. Just <laughs> trust me. And then some, I do have to kind of coax a little bit like, Hey, no, you're important. I didn't come to replace you. Mm-hmm. Um, just remind them of how important they are and how much they're changing as well. 
you know, both of them, you know, especially for first time parents, both of you are about to embark on an entirely new journey. You know, mm-hmm. your body may not be changing, but you are key. You are very important with me there. Sometimes I need you to help me. I need you on the left while I'm on the right. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that there are younger or the older siblings that are present as well, too. And how do you incorporate them into the process? You know, if they're really young, it's just about how they can read to mommy's belly too. They can talk to, you know, the belly. They can uh, be a part of when mommy's exercising on the ball. Like, what can they do? You know, like that. Little things, but things that make them feel important. Or when we're having our meetings, because I go to my clients' homes for the meetings. You know, the kids, you can come sit on my lap. You can come talk to me too. And I'm focused and talking to your parent, but I make sure that the kid feels involved and I never want to shoo them away. You know, they should be a part of it because birth is natural and the more recognizable it is and the more it's talked about, the less, you know, weirdness, I guess, so to speak, is is there for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they have questions as well. Yeah, they're curious. My mom's going to have another baby. Yeah. Like me. Yeah, but smaller first, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. tiny. And how are you going to help? Do you know how to hand mommy a bottle? What's a bottle? Show me a bottle or something, you know, real, mm-hmm. real basic stuff. They don't require a whole lot, but they love to be included because children are curious and they're sponges. They soak it all up. And they, they do. Love. You know, what has been the most rewarding about the work that you do? I mean, because it all sounds fascinating. It all sounds really rewarding. But if you had to pick, let's say three things, I'm not going to say just one. If you had to pick three <laughs> things, you know, what would those three things be? Let's see. Okay. One of the most rewarding is when they're able to, whether they do it verbally or with their body language, when they connect with me and let me know that they trust me. It's super Mm -hmm. rewarding because that means that what I'm doing is right. What I'm doing is working. And that's what I want because a big part of my why is to be what I never had, which is that supportive trusting system that's right there. Another thing is when they get the birth outcome they want. Um, I recently had a, you know, a client who wanted, she didn't want any medication. That's what she wanted. And she fussed a little bit at me when I reminded her, her of her wants, but this is what she asked me. <laughs> she did it. And in a postpartum visit, she was just so overwhelmed with joy that she did what she wanted to do and she worked through it. It's so rewarding to see how proud a new parent is like, it's just the pride that they take. And I'm just like, wow, I had a little piece of something in there with you. And it just, it's so rewarding. And lastly, seeing new life come into the world, seeing new life. It is something else to be there in that moment and see a whole new life come, come just come out there into all those lights and brightness. And Mm -hmm. uh, it just warms your heart, man. And I'm a real mushy person. So that just makes me feel awesome. <laughs> and, you know, you're right, because, you know, for so many months, right, for nine months, they are encased, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's just, you know, like one moment they're not here and then the next moment they are. And it's just, it's really a beautiful and amazing thing to, thing to have experienced. So you being right there on the front line and watching it happen on not just for yourself, obviously, but you know, watching it happen with many different women is probably um, just very endearing to you because you feel like, you know, you're part of that special time in, in a family's life. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, we're family now, guys. Right. You know, keep that number. 
Right, 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 right. And that's a great point. And that's a great segue because you talked about, um, you know, the importance of caring for those who are postpartum. Um, and then you talk about keeping the number after the baby's already arrived. So talk, talk to me a little bit about like your postpartum experience with families and why it's so important to care for those who are postpartum. A lot of times people spend time preparing for their birth, preparing for the baby, but not many people are looking towards plans for afterward. Nobody's wondering like, hey, is there going to be a meal train set up? What does my circle of support look like? You know, who's going to be there for me? What do I have? So, you know, for me, I always include a minimum of two to three postpartum visits because somebody needs to be checking on you and ensuring that you have you eaten. Have you had a chance to shower? Mm. Um, It sounds really basic, but a lot of people don't get that. Not everybody has, you know, that village of support. Sometimes people don't live near family. Sometimes, you know, people do not you know, they don't do well with their family. So there's distance. (laughs) Um, And when you don't have that support, you're left out there feeling alone. And, you know, that just brings upon things that turn from baby blues to depression to, you know, Mm -hmm. so much, so much. You forget about self-care. You're like, oh, I haven't went pee all day because I was holding the baby and there's no one here to help me. My husband's at work or, you know, oh, wow. Let me come, you know, I'm so glad our visit was today. Let me hold the baby so that you can go and like eat a sandwich in peace so you can close your eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or let me show you how to swaddle because, you know, the baby's scratching up their face and they're, <laughs> they're all over. Let me show you how to swaddle this baby so that you can hold them comfortably, breastfeed, bottle feed, whatever you're looking forward to doing. And I do a lot of assessing while I'm there, like making sure like um, if I see any signs for depression or things like that, I, uh, you know, I watch out for that. And I already tell my clients up front, I'm going to be asking you those questions. I'm going to assess and I'm going to pay attention because a lot of times most people don't see their doctors until what, six weeks after they've had a baby and a mm-hmm. lot can happen. Weeks. Yeah, a lot can happen, particularly once the, you know, your partner has gone back to work, right? You're home alone with the baby. So there are a lot of different things that can happen. And you're not used to, you know, all the excitement. Like everybody comes like the first week or so to come and see the baby. And then after that. But see, yeah, even that, everybody comes to see the baby. What are they coming with? Are you coming with my favorite snack? Are you coming with dinner for my household? Why are you coming? Just to gawk at my child? Are you there doing something supportive for them? They need somebody to support, not to just come stare at the kid and tell them it's time to snap back. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Mm-hmm. And right, bringing my favorite food <laughs> is, um, I'm sure, is really important as opposed to just bringing gifts for the baby. You know what I mean? And the house and stuff like that, you know, bring a whole meal. So the, you know, the birthing uh, person doesn't have to be spending time in the kitchen. Right. Right. Like they're not there, you know, and for anybody listening to this, <laughs> if the birthing person should not be entertaining, you, they just had a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be there, be there to entertain them. Fix them. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about how they're flawlessly moving through the home, cooking dinner and making you a glass of tea. You should be making them a glass of tea or whatever it is. Right. Or doing laundry. Right. Or something. Yeah, do a load of laundry or send over an Uber Eats, anything, just something that's less, you know, that's not so self-serving. Right. Right. Well, what else can you share about, you know, the experience and um, how people can find you, um, how they can go about? I know you talked about um, 
hashtag, you know, a doula, but what else can they do? Oh yeah. To find me, you said? Mm -hmm. To find you as well as to research more about um, the process of being a doula. Yeah. So um, to find me, you can find me on Instagram at balanced births. It's literally, that's all you type in is balanced births and you'll see my name, Sheena. It's still my, you know, my government. (laughs) (laughs) So balanced births on Instagram and on Facebook. But on Facebook, you might have to add Balance First Houston just to make sure you get the right page. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if someone is interested in exploring or doing more research about doulas in general, if they want a doula, what do they need to do? If you want a doula, look up a doula in your area. Um, set up a few consultations. You don't have to feel like you should only interview with one or two. Do a couple, you know, make sure it's a good fit. Um, and literally it's usually really easy if you Google them and search them on social media, because not a lot of people, at least quite a few of the ones I know don't start off with a website and they're really dope. Like they're amazing doulas and we just don't have websites. We, Mm -hmm. it's easier to use Instagram or TikTok, you know, things of that nature to, um, kind of show you what we do because you only get a glimpse in there and reach out if they're saying something that interests you or you just like their content give them a follow reach out send them a message and a lot of people you know we run our own social media for for most of the ones that i know so we're going to respond okay and what about a person you know what should they avoid what's something that you should avoid if if you maybe there are certain like catchphrases that someone may be using like oh you want to stay away from this right or you want to stay away from that if they say x You want to stay away from people telling you what to do. A good doula should be helping you to feel empowered to make your own decisions, not being in there telling you this is what you're going to do. This is what you need to do. And, uh, you know, you don't need a bossy doula. You need someone who's going to listen to you Mm -hmm. and what you want. So if they're telling you already, this is what I do, that's it, that's all, you know, that could be a bit of a red flag (laughs) Mm because you want to make sure that. Is somebody you can listen to and that you weren't, you know, fooled by a pretty social media or, you know, the consultation. Mm-hmm. Just watch out for that and watch out for people who who don't value diversity because they may not value you. Um, you know, I if anything, I know I attract my target mar- market of black women because, you know, not a lot of people support us the way that they should. Mm-hmm. So, if you know, if you're especially if you're a person of color, please please look out and really read their pages, Google them, see who are they. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make sure that you're working with somebody who's not going to also add to the harm that you feel, <laughs> if you feel any, you know? Right, right, they right. Add to your experience. Just watch out for that. And I would also assume that if someone is taking on too many clients, right, that's something to avoid as well too. Like maybe that's a question that you should be asking. Yeah, like I would definitely ask, how many clients do you typically take on that are due in the same month? Just ask. And, you know, and they'll, some people will explain it to you. And if you really like a person who says they take, I don't know, four or five births in a month, then go with them. They, people do it. I don't know how. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to limit myself. Um, but, you know, some people do and they do it great. That's just not for me. And if you if you know that you like more attention and you need a bit more then just ask that question. Hey, how many clients do you take? I'm doing April. I'm, you know, do you have clients in April already? And how many will you take? Like, what's the chance that I'm going to actually have you as my doula and not mm-hmm. backup doula? Mm-hmm. Ask that. And if 
you have a backup doula, are you also incorporating them into your meetings or you kind of do that a little bit later on? If let's just say something happens, if I feel like I would possibly need one, I've already connected with someone like, hey, in case I get sick or whatever, I would introduce them and do like a warm handoff. Like, hey, just in case I'm sick or just in case, you know, and you don't want me to like move to virtual, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. This is someone that I work with. Here's their Instagram. Here's what they do. This is how I know them. And here's their number. And I'm going to connect y'all. Like, let's meet up. Or if I'm already sick, you know, let's talk on the phone. Let's FaceTime really quick and do a group call to make sure that they're comfortable. But the more comfortable I am with the person I request as my backup, so much easier if I'm explaining it to a client. I just Mm -hmm. been blessed so far that I haven't had to uh, send in any backup. And I hope that continues. So I know that you are married and you are a mother of one. How supportive are your family, you know, and is your family and, you know, do they love the work that you do? They do. My son loves it because he'll be like, what are you going to do, mom? Are you going to help someone have a baby this time? And I'm like, yeah, if I'm going, you know, if I'm on call for a birth and he sees me leaving at, you know, a random hour of the night, I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, got to go help someone have a baby. And he's like, okay, they're going to do really good because they have you. (laughs) (laughs) Or he'll help me. He'll help me put my supplies together. He'll put my stuff away for me. It's really cool. He always asked me how it was and if they were okay. Um, Sometimes he'll ask if he can draw pictures for them, things like that. He's he's a really good artist. Um, Let me just tell the audience, your son, um, her son is super cute. I shouldn't call him cute anymore because he's in fifth grade. So he's super handsome. Right. He'll be like, oh, gosh, don't say cute, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, my husband is amazing. He actually is always the one pushing me. I wasn't making my Instagram for months. I was just telling people I'm a doula, tell people. But I was so scary, Jerry. And he was like, girl, sit down and make that Instagram and stop playing and do your thing. You know what you're doing. You know, put yourself out there. You've got this. And he'll help, he'll help me prep too. He'll get all my little books down off the shelf, pack it up, load my car up with all of my, you know, birth supplies, put it in there. And, you know, everybody plays their part. He deals with it. If I'm like, hey, I have a birth, I'm headed in. He knows, all right, dinner's on him and mm-hmm. school, school homework, you know, anything that I would normally do, uh, mommy's out of it, life's out of it. And they both do it well. And I'm just super, super blessed that they are the way that they are. That's great. And that's beautiful to have so much support, you know, from your family as you are giving support to other families. Yeah, man, I have to I have to also do it and have it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are very fortunate. And I'm also equally as fortunate to have you as my guest today. Are there any other websites or hashtags that that we should share that people can read more about, not just birth work, but also, you know, the joys of um, of being a doula? I would suggest, well, okay, one Instagram account that I would tell everyone to follow is she is like my favorite midwife, y'all. She's based out of Alabama. Her name is Dr. Stephanie Mitchell, and she's on Instagram as Dr. Underscore Midwife. You'll know it's her. She has an orange tank top and an afro in the profile pic. Dr. Underscore Midwife. She, I have learned so much from her, and she really talks to you. And every Sunday, including today, (laughs) 
she has something that's called hashtag Sunday cervix, where she gives all sorts of information to birthers and birth workers. And just, she's just giving information and okay. she's awesome. I will say she does cuss, but that's her, that's her way. <laughs> if you don't like curse words, then I'm sorry, <laughs> but she is amazing. Um, and I also would suggest going to the postpartum support international website. They always have so many resources available. I'm talking virtual group listings, listings of providers in the area, mm-hmm. um, tons of it. And I think the actual website is simply postpartum.net, but you'll know you're in the right place because it will tell you, it will say postpartum support international. Okay. Tons and tons of resources there. And that's for, and you feel like it's diverse and it encompasses every woman? Yeah, I feel like it encompasses a whole lot because they have different providers. Like I can sign up and be considered and be a provider on there and they can and it, you can get state specific. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important to note that for anyone who is going through this experience to remember that there is help out there and they don't have to feel like they're alone in doing any of this. And there are resources that are out there available to them. Um, And all they really have to do is either ask and or search, Um, but don't feel like you have to go through this process alone. I feel like you just like totally took that Instagram post for me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I say that a lot. I'm like, you do not have to do this alone. So I'm very glad that you said that. There's help out there. There's help, you know, people say, what about the money? There's people who will fund it. I think it's Dove right now has some sort of a fund that you can apply for to have a doula paid for. Yeah, it's Dove. Oh, really? Yes, it's the Dove company. I'm so sorry. I don't have the exact thing written down, but if you Google like Dove, I don't know, probably Dove paying for doulas or birth worker, you, you should find a way to apply for that funding if you need it. There are doulas who offer payment plans and sliding scales. And some who have slots for pro bono clients. So there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, why don't I make sure that that you send me that information so that way when it, your episode releases, then I can include that in the in my social media description. Awesome. Because I think that's really important that you know people are aware that there are resources out there for them if they are concerned or have issues with cost. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really happens a lot with a lot of a lot of individuals. They don't take advantage of what's available to them simply because of cost. Um, and then they have a tendency to miss out on things um, when they, they really don't have to. Yeah, you really don't. There's there's a lot out there, you know, and sometimes even individual doulas have their own funding or people who help fund for, for them to be able to provide, you know, services to someone in need. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Don't be out there by yourself. There's no need for that. Well, thank you so much, Sheena. This has been awesome. I really appreciate your sharing your expertise and your journey. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Great. I'm so glad. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining me and my guest, Sheena Drummond. Please connect with me at nogoodpeoplepodcast at gmail.com if you have a story you'd like to share or have an idea for a future episode. If you hear something you like, subscribe and share and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at No Good People Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Vera Smith Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people.
For more podcasts from No Good People, visit Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks for listening.